If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. And just like that, we are back, Dee Dee Brown, Black on the Scene, Season 4. We're back! <laughs> Despite all of our best efforts not to be <laughs> bad, <laughs> that little hiatus, John. Ooh, that was rough. <laughs> it was rough. It was rough. But we're here. We're back, and we're excited. <laughs> I mean, are we back? <laughs> Who knows what this season is going to hold? This exactly. It's an only episode. <laughs> we'll just come out in twenty twenty five. <laughs> O-M-G, D-D, we got this, we got this, we got this, exactly. season four, season exactly. four. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> oh my goodness, so tell me, uh, lots happened. Since lots happened, yes. Um, since, yeah, you know, it's been a, it's been a lot of movies, um, there's been a lot of premieres, there's been, I moved a few times, I went on vacations, um there's been some snubs as well um but you know we keep we keep pushing on you know but it's been good no complaints on my end how are you doing no complaints uh for me either um i opened a couple of movies one more successful than the other in fact <laughs> i may or may not owe you money <laughs> a bet on whose movie would open bigger and better say which one <laughs> <laughs> or which one didn't <laughs> um but yeah it's been great i mean i'm I guess st- stoked to be here with you i'm stoked about our next guest man we have really been after this illustrious guest for so long so yes she recently joined the fabulous club that I'm in, that one day you'll be in. I'll still be the same age, by the way. <laughs> over club. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm psyched. I'm psyched. Feeling grateful. So grateful that we're back for a fourth season. You know, three seasons ago, I never would have thought we would have made it to four seasons. So I'm so happy. So <laughs> grateful. <laughs> I'm so happy. So grateful. And I'm excited for this season. Um, you know, we have a great group of guests coming. Um, you and I are back together. We're even going to do some in-person shows this season together. That will also be hilarious and fun. So I can't wait. Didi, we got, we got this. We got this. John. Kind of. We have to hold each other accountable for sharing more uh like some of our social media posts which neither one of us are super great at but like more photos and stuff like that so yeah um we have to be each other's accountability partners for those kinds of things but we're gonna have some we're gonna have some fun switch things up a little bit switch this, things up 2023 switch. is all about change and hey. growth, evolution so we're here for it we're here for it. black on the scene Uh, let's get this started then well we are stoked to be back with our first guest who really needs no introduction in our world but we're going to give her one anyway we are thrilled to welcome Corey murray who we've been talking to about this podcast and being our first guest on the podcast from our very beginning so we're so happy to have her on (laughs) 
Stalking, stalking, stalking. Corey wears many hats and has so many receipts that we won't have time to name them. But she is a multi-platform storyteller who's an accomplished writer, podcast host, and so many more. As a former deputy editor at Essence, she led the brand's digital and print platforms that served 31 million Black women. Under Murray's editorial leadership, Essence won its first American Society for Magazine Editors National Magazine Award for Photography in April 2022, feature a same-sex couple on this cover, a first in the magazine's 52-year history, and achieved its highest print advertising revenue since the company's acquisition by Essence Ventures, among numerous other accomplishments. For 10 years, she led programming for the Black Women in Hollywood Awards and served as co-producer of the annual Oscar Week event, Essence's second largest franchise. And she is a mom to her lovely daughter, Jillian. Who is a teenager now. 13 whole years. John, I feel like I should have had my props. I should have said, like, here's this. And here's this. <laughs> brought out the awards for I all the receipts. I mean, it's all right. Hold on, y'all. It's literally right here. Yes! <laughs> I keep it close. Yes. <laughs> I keep it literally close. one of my favorite covers. It's yes. iconic. Iconic. Like, yes. It's funny. I, I mean, and it's so fitting too. Yeah. It's so fitting considering cover. she just killed it at the Super Bowl. Just so killed it. Corey. Welcome. We're so happy to have you in, in on the on the podcast today. And I think what Didi and I both love about you is you're just your unwavering devotion at repping black culture and entertainment in its best light. Like I I we've both known you for so many years and you've had so many iconic conversations. You know, we've you've gotten to talk to so many people over panels, Q and A's, covers, I mean the whole gamut. And you're just like that, like we just we love your writing. You're just so good. Thank you. But before you had all of this, right, before you were Corey Murray at Essence and Corey Murray, you know, writer and things like that, I want to go back to a point in your life where you first saw yourself. What what did that feel like and what was that experience like for you when you first saw yourself on screen? Yeah, I, I was very nervous because uh, one thing about Essence, especially Essence back in the day, you know, you guys both know I, I worked there for 22 years. So when I started, I was really a baby. And we used, when we were fully owned by Time Inc., they would give us media training. Um, and you guys are in the business, you know what that is. So we would, you know, all of the editors would get together. We met either once a week or once a month, and we would have this instruction on how to present ourselves on, on television. You know, I never had that at, in college, although I was a journalism major. You know, journalism is, you know, writing is writing. So I never would have thought, I never wanted to be on camera. So to learn that was a little bit tricky for me, but... I got the hang of it, especially give a shout out to Sheila Harris, who was our PR person for years. And she would just, after I would fumble, because <laughs> I sometimes I would be like, no, I got this. I got this. I was very cocky a, a bit. And she was like, Corey, just read the points. Just read the points. Uh, or just say what I asked you to say. And then when I finally just listened to her, I realized how much better it could be. And then I could kind of add my own flair to it as long as I got the information out. And I started getting a lot of compliments about how I appeared on screen, how I carried myself. And then that's what I would say gave me the confidence um, to really be comfortable um, in who I, who I am and who, and I, it was a way for me to see myself that I never thought I wanted to see, but I realized I did enjoy it. And then very recently, um, you know, with the passing of True, True Glory Ro uh, Dove from De La Soul, I remember being on a red carpet for the BT Hip Hop Awards, one of the early incantations of it. And 
I took a picture with them. I had the essence mic stand. It was a cute picture. I was looking cute. I cannot find that picture because it was before social media. So I, I, I started to remember like, oh God, it was a printout. It was a printout picture. But what I remember about that photo, when I look back, I used to keep it on in my office, was that I looked so like a reporter. Like I looked really good. And because I really loved them, I remember that interview and we had a lot of banter. It was a cute moment. You know, you guys work red carpets. You only get maybe one or two questions with them. So you really want something that's going to pop and stand out. And I remember that red carpet, although I was a little hesitant because I mean, I love hip hop, but I'm like, I'm not a diehard for hip hop. Like I love R&B more. So I was a little worried about, I wouldn't have like, you know, really deep questions, but because I did, I did genuinely love them. We were able to establish connection. And I had a photo that captured that. And I remember, and I kept it up because I was like, that's how you look. And that's how I have to carry myself on other red carpets, but I could not find that photo, um, but I'm gonna keep. Oh my gosh. I hope you find it. I think it's downstairs um, where I keep my printed pictures. So what inspired this love of storytelling and especially for us, by us, mm -hmm. um, was this Corey growing up in D.C., watching certain things on TV, your first Black movie? Was it watching The Wiz? What brought you to being like, I want to cover entertainment. I want to cover Black entertainment. So uh, it was three things. One, I had a cousin who I love deeply to this day, Rhonda Carson. She and her dad, my uncle Ron, God rest his soul, they were into entertainment. They did a gospel train show out of Pasadena, California. So when I would go and visit them in the summer, um, you know, some people would be around, they would have cameras around. So that's, and, and also Rhonda was, you know, a little bit older than me. So she could go to concerts and I couldn't. So she was really into new edition and she would go into the record store. So she kind of really taught me how to be a teenager. And with that, developed a love for culture, like a love for our music and how we could take that love beyond just listening or creating tapes on the radio. Second was um, in one of those summers in California, I started reading 17 magazine. And I- Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. I realized how much I really loved magazines. I was already a big reader, but I really liked magazines. Um, so that's when I kind of started knowing I wanted to work specifically in magazine. And then fast forward to, it was really after I got the job out of S at Essence. I mean, I knew I always wanted to work there, but it was really when I started covering entertainment and I would get the broad sheets of Variety and Hollywood Reporter. And this was before they became very sexy like they are now and very glamorous. But I would look and I was like, they were never covering black people. They would, you know, every once in a blue moon, they did that annual list of like 
the hundred black, a hundred people in Hollywood to know or whatever. And it was always like one or two black people. But I realized, what is this? There are more. I deal with them on a daily basis. Why aren't they in the magazine? So that's what kind of propelled me to want to tell our stories more, especially our stories in Hollywood, um, was seeing that we weren't being covered as much as we should in mainstream in mainstream press. I love that. And I always, every time we've, t- we've talked to a few different writers on the podcast over the years, and most recently, Brooke, Brooke Obi, mm-hmm. and I'm always curious around, like, as a journalist, your technique as a writer, right? Like you already have this love, you already have like the the love and the why you're doing it. But like, how do you actually, how did you like actually dive into it of like figuring out your technique and figuring out your voice? Because I do think you do have a very distinct voice in your writing, which I again, love. Um, And like from the, from the beginning to now, how has it also evolved? Well, it takes practice, kind of like what we learned, you know, very early in our careers, like you have to in order to become a better writer, you have to be a better reader. So, and that means like just reading everything. And I, I a couple of things. I love that, Corey. Sorry yeah. to cut you off, but that is, that's a really, I don't think I've ever heard that. No. And <laughs> Maybe that's why I'm not a good reader, a good writer, because I don't read a lot. No. So. <laughs> oh, you're a good, you're a good writer, John. All right. I'm not like a good, I can no, write Hold a, on. He's a, a good cat. editor. He loves to redline and edit all I of my writing. I'm a really good editor. I should be an editor. (laughs) And John, I'll be honest. It wasn't until the last like two years that I really started calling myself a writer because I have such reverence for writers. I was truly an editor and I learned none of the best. But when sometimes when you would have to kind of step in and write things um, because of breaking news or maybe a writer didn't deliver what you need to do and you still got to go to press. And one of our copy editors, she told me, she was like, Corey, you got to stop reading. I think at the time, and, and this is no shade to those publications because they do good work. But like, I, you know, I was constantly reading like the vibes of the world and the honeys and, you know, whatever black media there was. And she was like, you need to pick up the New Yorker. You need to pick up the New Yorker. You need to pick up New York Magazine. You need to read time. Like, and I wasn't doing it because I wasn't, I'm not a real newsy, hard news person. But she was like, listen, they do it the best. They always, that ASME award you guys talked about, they always win those ASME awards. So I started looking at the winners of ASME awards and I started reading those things. I started getting subscriptions to Texas Monthly Magazine because, not because my family is from Texas, they do some of the best long form feature writing ever. And they were constantly reading, winning awards. So that's sort of one thing I would say of doing it. Also just writing. As much as I, I hated having to fill in for a writer who, you know, didn't, it didn't, it didn't work out. I realized that how much I, it was a, a, it was work for me to do, but I had to practice. And my dear friend, Regina Robinson, she gave me a journal many years ago and the cover just said, writers write. And I was like, they write, they have to write, they have to keep at it, keep at it. So that's why I've sort of embraced it this time around in, uh, in this part of my life is, and in my career is that I'm writing more because it's forcing me to write because I eventually want to do more creative writing. And I know my light went out. So um, that's what it is. <laughs> my light bulb. It's all good. You still are glowing. And maybe you're <laughs> glowing because you have had a recent change, like big changes happened over the past year or so. You recently left Essence after 22 years. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about you know, leading up to that and making that transition into freelance and consulting. Because again, you literally do it all. You write, you host, you edit, you podcast. Like, 
it's un, I, you probably train dolphins in your spare time. So we want to hear all about this transition, how you're embracing it, how you're embracing the big birthday. Welcome to the club. Yes. Um, well, I'll be honest, after all those years at Essence, you know, although I was deeply steeped in covering entertainment for many of those years I was there, I also, you know, did our feature stuff and, you know, coming down to Essence Festival down in New Orleans, you know, you're meeting the reader. And I was always struck by hearing stories about women who just kind of picked up, changed careers and started being free. You know, we all started hearing that word on social media, like being free, being free. And something about it, I, had, I couldn't ignore it anymore that I wanted to be free too. And although um, I know it's a line in Devil Wars Prada, but like I had the job that all the girls wanted. You know what I mean? I got literally paid to go cover the Carter's, Carter's um, concert. You know, I literally went to the Diamond Ball one year. Literally, I flew on a Friday night. The Diamond Ball was on Saturday and I flew back on Sunday. Who flies across country to go to a party? I did. And I did it a lot. So it was kind of like, well, did I really want to let go of all of that? And then we we did a story called the pa- the, the power of the pivot. And I remember editing, you know, this was during quarantine. So I'm do- editing at home and I just started crying because I was like, I've got to go. This is it. If I don't do it now. And also to your point about the birthday, I was 48 and I kind of knew when I approached 50, when I finally approached 50, I didn't want to be here anymore. Like I wanted to be in a different space. So I got my courage together and I wrote that letter, sent it off and resigned. So it'll be a year in April and it was scary, but it was also just so freeing because I'm literally doing whatever I want to do. Now, of course, you know, I just want to keep it real. I did have a substantial savings saved up. So I didn't want to disrupt my, you know, how I live, my daughter's life. So, uh, you know, that, that was another reason why I gave myself sort of two years to kind of save up and, and make it happen. I, I had a plan. It wasn't just arbitrary and I just jumped up one day. Um, but, but since I've been doing it, I mean, like, I, again, I never would have called myself a writer, but now I proudly do. And yes, I can still do the podcast. Yes, I, I even book talent as needed. I even dabbled in publicity. But the thing that has kind of kept me grounded in what I really want to do is writing. And it, like I mentioned earlier, I do want to eventually get into creative writing, which is where um, I see my career going. I love that you, a lot stuck out to me, but the, the idea and the and the notion of, of the pivot of like this, what you did, it was so groundbreaking because it's, it's it's there's a lot of fear rooted in that word a lot of times mm-hmm. um and i think we've talked about that every season pivot always comes up and just not being scared of the pivot and embracing the pivot yeah. but i i want to talk i want to just go back to something else you said too around the pivot because there was fear around that mm-hmm. and i want to kind of like again you've been at this infrastructure for for uh 22 years it's just kind of you know you knew this very very well and then you're like okay i'm i'm out i'm out Rightfully so, and, and, and this is the decision you made. But I want to just talk about how you like process that 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 journey afterwards, right? So like the next day, right? Like what what was kind of going through your mind of like I'm going to be okay? Not even from a financial perspective, from just like you know I did this for my own this my own happiness. This is what I wanted to do. I just kind of want to talk through like the next day and onward how you were 
how you kind of process it all because I feel like that's what people always think about. Yeah. And indeed, go ahead. No, I think that the the day before I think was like your last day. Yeah. I think I got her nice and liquored up at a. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that might have been the key. We <laughs> going out with a bang in the water, yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah. just, just, but, but just, just, just the, just the encouragement you had, and like, just kind of what that, how did that show up for you, right? Of like, just I made the right decision. I feel good about this. Like, what? How did that show up for you? In your community of folks who yeah. maybe before you held your hand, uh, it was a few things. One, the lovely folks at essence and you know i've been there a long time i had been there a long time so i've seen people come and go and no one ever really got a shout out on social when they left you know we would do our internal things you got an internal essence cover you know that you had a party that was the that was pretty much the end of it, which is fine you know but they uh posted my leaving on social as a thank you and y'all i had and I remember Max telling me, he said, Corey, he said, I don't want you to do it now, but in a month, I want you to go back or when you, as needed, when you feel down, go back and look at those comments. And it was so cute because he's really not into social, but he was like, do you know your video is up to 30,000 views? Do you know you have to- Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Like he was kind of was like, will you get off the SS Instagram page? Like, stop. And then when I posted my own goodbye, the amount of people that were in my comments, in my DMs, you know, of course, you know, keeping it professional. I sent out an email. I'm sure you guys were on it, you know, a week before this is listen, this is this is what I'm about to do. I'm leaving. You know, here's my personal information. I got so many things, but the, 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 the one message that stood out for me that someone said to me and, and shout out to Bevy Smith, because she was also a story. And I hope you guys have talked to her on the, your podcast, her, cause she had a similar, not similar, but she also left behind a really grand job, um, and grand access to stuff. But she called me and said, listen, it's all fine that you're gone. It's all fine people cheering you on. But she said, there's going to be days you're going to feel FOMO. There's going to be days you're going to be like, no one invited me to this. I used to get invited to things or whatever. And she was like, you call me. And she said, you're going to have some bumps in the road. And she said, but you call me and I'm going to walk you through it. Because no, she was like, no one wants to talk about those things. And it is funny because I haven't had to call her yet. Although I've had some you know, pretty low moments because, you know, especially you know, red carpet season, I, I see people getting these beautiful boxes and, you know, invitations. I did feel a way about knowing, not going to um, Dubai to see Miss Beyonce, but that's another whole other story. Uh, but, you know, but I'm just being, I'm being funny, but I'm also being real because that those used to be things I had great access to. But one thing that I always told myself leading up to me leaving Essence was, because again, it wasn't a feeling that just suddenly rushed. It was something that I had been thinking about, honestly, probably for about four or five years. And I would always tell myself, if this was the last day, I had a good run. I met some wonderful people. I did some great things. Uh, and so I really had contentment with that. I had peace with it. So I haven't had too many times where I've kind of looked back and said, did I do the right thing or question or the fear was there? Um, I think it was more 
the the real fear I had, and it is very probably a very basic fear. It's like I got to keep my finances up. I have to keep my work going. Um, and but you know, knock on wood, I have not had to actively ask for work. Uh, even on a couple of weeks where you know, you know, I was maybe waiting for a. a I don't mean to get so granular about it, but it's it's real. You know, waiting for a check to come in and I didn't have a true assignment, someone would always, I would get a DM or a call or a text message say, hey, are you free to, I have this project that I like you to do. Can you, do you have time to do it? So I've been consistently busy and now I've sort of set up something, um, someone told me to get like an anchor freelance position. So that's something that I have that I'll be happy to announce in a few weeks. So, it, but, it, but one thing I, and, and I'll wrap this up by saying one thing in taking that anchor position I realized how much I still wanted to freelance. I still wanted to do these other things. And I, it was the first time in my life I said, I need a moonlighting clause, right? Uh, former uh, podcast um, co-host Charlie Penn told me about that. And I was like, what is that? And she said, it allows you an opportunity to continue to do the things you're passionate about that don't conflict with what, you know, your daily work. And I was like, yes. So that's where I am now. Like I've made, I've now I've like legally made space in my life to do the things I'm, I, that I, that I want, no matter if it conflicts or not. Cause I have to go back and say, my clause actually said, I'm able to go over here and do that for a while. Yeah. Listen, I love how a, just being adaptable and I did freelance, not writing, mm -hmm. but in consulting. And it is more than a notion. And yeah. one, I do want to shout out Bevy because she is the queen of the pivot. Yes. I am a big mm -hmm. fan of hers and recently got to work with her on a project, but her book, It Gets Greater Later, which I'm sure you've read. Yep, her, I'm, I'm sorry. It's Lessons from an Auntie, Mother, Bestie. Um, and her uh, TED Talk mm -hmm. is instrumental in that. And she always keeps it so real yeah. about the challenges that she faced, it, faced from, you know, you got to figure out how to do your finances. Yeah. You got to figure out your LLC. So there's so many things that, I mean, I think you should take to your uh, Instagram and really just give people the, you know, the, the information on that. Mm -hmm. But let's talk about like those things that you are excited about. You know, you're looking forward. You're, you're excited about creative writing. We know you recently did a writing stint at the fabulous Mara Braca Keels. That place is beautiful. I want to move in there. I'm following them on social media and I'm not a writer. Talk to us about those creative writing projects and what is like lighting you up right now. <laughs> uh, it's so funny. When I was at Mara's uh, production offices, uh, you know, I had, clearly had access to it. And I was, when it was my last day, I, I was just standing there like, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. Um, no, I, it's funny. And again, in all those years I covered entertainment and, you know, being around film execs like you, you know, going to set visits or whatever. I never thought that I would want to write a script or uh, maybe help produce a film or develop a film because it just seemed so big to me uh, and it seemed unattainable. And again, because I had my job, I had the daily rigors of my job. So I was almost like I couldn't allow myself to dream. Um, and then I became a mother. So the last thing I had to do at night, I just wanted to like just veg out on TV my little brain candy shows and, and go to sleep and start it all over again the next day. But now that, you know, I've been free and I've allowed my mind to um, expand and dream, I have been looking, uh, and especially when I was at Mara Brock Akil's place, because she, she told me, she's like, this is what this space is for. It's for you to think without constraint. 
and I would sit there. She has like this beautiful water fountain. And you know, like when you said, like the, the sound of water, I realized I've really been drawn to it um, in this phase of my life. And the sound of water, the, the, the aesthetics there, I was able to like write out three projects that I would like to do. Um, I, you know, we're in development for a podcast. Um, you know, one where I, I want to work with my former colleagues, but then also something I would like to develop with my daughter. Um, because Didi, you've met her. She's and, and John, you know, she's hilarious. She's uh, so <laughs> funny and she's so astute. I'm like, we're all going to be working for Jilly one day. Correct. Like she, <laughs> she just gets it. It's gets unbelievable. It. And she yeah. and she'll say to me, "Mommy, you didn't know that." And then she'll, you know, and I'm like, "Okay, girl, I got it. Now I do." <laughs> you know, but that's her vibe. Um, and I want to dabble at developing a script. Um, developing a project. I have something that, uh, there's a, a, a film that I've loved deeply for many years. Um, and I think it could be adapted. Um, and I figure that's a good, uh, first thing I could do is, is and then I want to get my courage up before I develop something original. Um, and I think lastly, I think there's something that I can develop around my big mama, who's my grandmother who passed away. She was 103. Um, over the course of years, people who knew me and met her, every, you know, I always had these uh, big mama isms, if you will. And every time someone was like, you need to write a book about your big mama. You need to do this about your big mama. You need to do something. With your big mama. And so now I have the space to really think about like what that will be. Um, so, yeah, but it's just I have time to play. Um, and I know I keep saying it, but just dream and now make it happen. Uh, I actually have a, a, a colleague, a, a friend. A, a, a writer I used to work with who now, you know, we become really close. And when I told her like, Oh, sometimes the assignments kind of get in the way. I'm not able to devote time to the creative stuff. She was like, no, we're going to stop that right now. She's like two days a week. We're going to go and just have writing hours for four to five hours. And I was kind of like, I needed that. Like as much as I enjoy writing these stories and stuff, but I do need time. Cause that's a different muscle you have to, to use. Um, and so, uh, we're going to start that up pretty soon. So, I love dream play and make it happen. That's just yeah. that is so genius. These are the Coreyisms. P.S. Yeah. <laughs> I have a question, I, and I know John's like you cut me off, but you so, did. <laughs> when you talk about Big Mama, and again, we all know the story about Big Mama. You've shown her so much love, and obviously, she's shown you love over the years, and she was. Just, I feel like I knew her yeah. because she just was, you know, larger than life. Mm -hmm. Your creativity and like, just did did you get any of that from her? Like, what did she think about her baby being yeah. a, a writer in this space? Like, where did all that creativity and story love of storytelling? I, no, it didn't started? come from her. But what did come from her, and and I'm gonna add my mom is, and I'm sure you guys can touch on this. Because you know we're, we're from the south, like, like my my big mama pretty much was a, was a was a domestic worker for the majority of her life. While my mom wasn't, but she still very had these very menial jobs. Like, yes, yeah, she worked at a bank, she worked at the airline, you know. Uh, if you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. 
At participating McDonald's. In DC, there's a place called Levis Furniture. She walked, she worked in the back. Like, so she had these sort of like small jobs. And I think when, when I came along, especially when I was trying to go to college, they were both like, oh no, you're going to college. Oh, you know, you're and like, there was never, when I was like, oh, I'm going to work for a magazine. They never were like, well, I think you need a good paying job. You need, you know what I mean? It was never that. So they never hindered me. And that I did not have to do the same kind of work that they did, which allowed me to be creative. So it wasn't that, you know, and my mother, and my mother actually is a, is a pretty good drawer, a drawer, an artist, because um, she got that from her dad. But, but no, they weren't creative. But what they gave me was the freedom to be creative because they knew I did not have to do the same things. Actually, quick story. Um, right after I graduated from Hampton and when I came back, when I graduated Hampton, I didn't have a job. And, you know, the big thing was to like have a job right after college. And I didn't have one. And I, I went back to Maryland, got in my, in my room. I was pouting. My mother knew how much I wanted to be in New York um, because I was the publishing capital of the world. She literally gave me $50. And I don't come from a rich family. I don't even come from a middle class family. We are working. We were a working working class or working poor family but my mother found fifty dollars and she said pack up your stuff she took me to the greyhound she bought my ticket she was like you're going to you're going to new york i had a, a great aunt here and she was like you you've got to do this now you've got to go now and not like she was kicking me out of her house but she was just like you're not gonna rut, sit here in a rut and fall into a thing because you know being from the maryland dc area I was really getting ready to accept going to get a government job and calling it a day because I was just that down in the dumps. And my mother was like, no. So in, I, I finished college in May by July, early July, I was back in New York. And then I got my first sort of media job by that September. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was, I don't know how I, I made it. I stayed on my aunt's couch. Um, my mother, you know, would send me little money every now and then. Yeah. But I made it and I made it. So you were interviewing during that time. Were you, how else were you like feeding yourself? Were you, did you wait tables? Did you have a little no, hourly no. job? Or were you just interviewing? I was just interviewing and my aunt was feeding me. She was, she was, she, so she was my great aunt. So she really was, you know, more of like a grandmother figure for me. She never had kids. Um, and also, I mean, not to get too deep, but a lot of her husband's family would spend time with her and not enough of the other side of the family. So she just hung, she just kind of attached herself to me because she was, she would constantly say, this is my family. This is my, <laughs> I was like, okay. So, um, you know, my dad would send me like people, people in my family would kind of send me a little bit. And, you know, the good thing about New York and being poor, you can make a dollar stretch. So I probably spent two dollars in the morning on breakfast, <laughs> got a hot dog. I don't know what my weight was like at that time, but um, dollar pizzas, all the, and you know, and I was here during the summer. So entertainment was basically free because there was summer stage. I mean, you could just walk the city and be entertained. So that's pretty much what I, I was just really, whatever money I, I would receive, I would just stretch it as far as I could. Uh, and then I was, ha I was thankful because the first job I did get was a salary job. And I was making $20,000 a year. And y'all, I thought I was rich. 
rich, rich with, with, with healthcare. Cause before that, you know, I was working hourly work. I was doing hourly jobs, but I was like a salary. I get paid two, two times a week. I need a direct deposit. What, what's a direct deposit? (laughs) (laughs) Corey, what I love about this story though, is that you, and, and, and we all can kind of probably attest to this too, but like, you know, your family, they, they, they gave you the right water to yep. grow into where you are right now, mm-hmm. right? Like you were this beautiful blossom of a flower known as Corey Murray and you you had your mom, you had your dad, you had your big mama, you had all these elements there that that really helped you to pull to push you up and, and lift you up to where you are, which I and I love that. Mm-hmm. And just going back to like that 5-year-old, that 6-year-old Corey, you know, is there any words of advice you would give your younger self? That you How about would... the thirteen-year-old Corey? I know. Right. Yeah, exactly. Thirteen-year-old Corey. Like, what would, what would be that like piece of advice you would give that young Corey? Uh, and what advice are you giving Jilly at thirteen? Yeah. I would. Say, it might be the same. Yeah, I I would say I would tell my thirteen-year-old self, and what I tell Jillian is, don't be afraid. Don't hmm. be afraid. Um, because I was really afraid for a long time. As much as I had my dream and I knew I wanted to do and I worked towards it, I was still hesitant. I would still be a little meek at times um, and not fully stepping, not stepping into my full self, you know? Um, I would say that. I would definitely tell my younger self to go abroad because that's something I do have a big regret that I did not live abroad. And I tell that to Jillian all the time. I actually, I purposely take her on trips so she can see the world outside, uh, you know, her window. Um, but yeah, I would, I tell her and I, and I, and I constantly tell her, and I think I would tell myself, like, you know, you're going to be bigger than this, right? Like, you, you mm-hmm. know, I remember she, I forgot what she did. Cause she does so many things. And I remember looking at her dad going, you know what? She's pretty much going to be like a CEO when she graduates college. Like she's not going to have an entry level job. She's not going to be a mid, not like a mid manager. I'm like she's going to be running something um, when she leaves, and she's going to be so empowered to do it that she won't even blink, you know. Um, and hopefully, I think we fantastic. She probably never has to work for anyone because she's probably going to be working for herself. Um, and that's the kind of things I'm doing to encourage in her, encourage her. Um, and looking back, I wish I did have that. I had a little bit of it. Um, but that, you know, that equity part that you can be a boss, not just get in the door. Cause it, for me, it was very much, my family encouraged me to get in the door, but I wish I had somebody saying like, you could have really taken the reins, um, early on. Yeah. So it's mentorship that you're like, we need, as we know, sponsorship, mentorship. Mm-hmm. Um, when I think you're really good about that and, and sharing information amongst the network, mm-hmm. which is so key. Um, you know, those text chains are, are like, you know, those boardrooms a lot. You know, I know. For, um, <laughs> Um, and then one of the things I love about you is that you definitely don't gatekeep. You're like, here's the info. Yeah. Um, and we definitely need more of that. I think John and I try to be like that as well. Um, so we're just so excited for this new chapter in your life and you know, we love and support you. And if there's ever anything we can do, 
We're here for you. And we'd just like for you to sort of end the podcast with sharing your social, you know, just let's speak into existence. Yeah. You've got your movies coming up. I know about One Passion Project that I I, I think that um, you're going to have a lot of people in, you know, excited about as well. So bring us home with your, just anything you want us to know about you, your projects, yeah. um, who you want to work with, a story you want to cover. <laughs> uh, well, I haven't actually thought about that because I, I mean, not to boast, but I have covered some pretty cool people. Um, That's all right. Boast, Corey. I really, boast. I mean, interviewing Idris Elba in Thailand, it doesn't get much better than that. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't. Um, but I will say for me, one thing that I hold on to and I want people to know is as, and as something I didn't talk about earlier is like, what's for you is for you. So all the things that I have dreamed about, all the things that I am going to speak into existence, um, it's going to happen for me. It's just going to happen in the time that it needs to be. I'm a big believer in faith. So what's for me is for me, like in the fact that like just that inkling for me to leave kept coming up in my life until I finally was able to do it. Um, it made, when I look back on it, I'm like, wow, it really happened in the way it was supposed to. Like I have the the security in myself that I need, the the faith in myself and my, I had the finances that I needed and I had the support of my family, you know, quite honestly. So, I mean, I would love to actually know I am going to be on an award stage one day. Now, I'm okay. I may not be accepting. The word night may not be for me, but I'm going to definitely be a part of the producing team. I'm going to definitely be on stage. Um... Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And, and get that award because that is, you know, covering the Oscars for so many years, like, I'm like, no, I'm going to be there one day. Um, and I don't care how old, how many grades I have, I'm going to be there um, one day with my project. And people can find out what I'll be doing. I'm at Corey Murray on Instagram, Twitter. Um, I don't know what my TikTok is because I don't post to my TikTok a lot. I think it's what it's, I think it's at Corey Murray. Um, and just full disclosure, my daughter uses my Snapchat. So <laughs> if you see some crazy <laughs> stuff, on Snapchat, like, some crazy 13 year old stuff, it's, yeah, it's Jilly. <laughs> just know that um, uses that. Corey, I mean, listen, uh, you have the freedom to be creative. What's for you is for you. Thinking without restraint, dream, play, and make it happen. I've been jotting down notes here as if this was the Corey Murray Masterclass. In yes, yes. I, I, I we love you so much. Thank you so much. So happy for you. We can't wait to see and hear and root for you this year and beyond. And yeah. we are so appreciative of you appearing on our podcast, Black on the Scene. Thank you, Carl. And, Thank you, Dee Dee. Thank you, John. And we love you. 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 <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Bye. Peace. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, But the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.